there. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Nicole and Brooke Scheller here from Integrative Wellness Group and you are listening to Integrative Wellness Radio. Uh, So today we're going to be talking to you about some of the different symptoms that you might be seeing in your kids, um, everywhere from being an infant and maybe dealing with colic all the way into maybe getting into uh, being a toddler or even just a young child, you know, between the age of five and 10 that are dealing with some level of growing pains, which then maybe also leads into uh, playing sports and dealing with some level of uh, sports injuries or reoccurring strain sprains, etc. I think a lot of these things we usually uh, just kind of deem as normal. So we really want to go through and be able to elaborate a little bit further on some of these occurrences or symptoms that might be popping up and the different things that you want to rule in or rule out so that um, you're kind of covering all of your bases and making sure that making sure that your child is going to get the best care possible if it's necessary. Yeah, I think this is a great topic because a lot of clients will come in and they might even say to us, you know, if we're looking at the results and we're seeing old infections or we're seeing different bacteria or viruses and things that are in their system, a lot of these things are going to reappear in their life later on and and they'll come to us and say, well, how, how did I get all this in my body? And I always explain to them that you know, we're looking at years and years and years of being exposed to different things. And a lot of times that starts all the way, even in childhood or in utero, that we get exposed to different chemicals or different bacteria, different infections. And oftentimes they don't necessarily fully leave our body. They might hang around at lower levels and maybe appear later on in life. Um, But there's definitely a lot of things that in childhood we deem as being quote unquote normal. So even things like we mentioned, like constipation, and they go to their doctor and their doctor says, let's use a low dose of Miralax or something like that, and not necessarily thinking that there might be something underlying. So we wanted to give you a little bit of information on some of this today and how you can best arm yourself and your children for long, healthy lives. Yeah, and I think the best place to start is like you mentioned in utero, because some of, some people listening might be curious as to what we're talking about. Um, so one of the really interesting things is mom will actually pass, uh, a bulk of different types of infections as well as, uh, different types of chemicals to their firstborn, especially, but really all of their children. So if there is some level of a chronic infection, regardless if it's been diagnosed or not, Um, especially different infections that reside in the gastrointestinal system, so different types of bacterial overgrowths, as well as even yeast overgrowths, parasite infections. Uh, These will be passed through the placenta, so they will be passed to the baby. Um, This is one of the major reasons why children, or infants, I'm sorry, would be dealing with some level of colic. They might be dealing with some level of food allergies or some type of digestive issue if it is going to be more of the loose bowel movements or if it's going to be constipation. Well, and even skin manifestations, things like eczema or rashes in children as well. Definitely in hives as well. 
So what's interesting is 80% of mom's heavy metals and infections are actually passed to the firstborn. So I always thank my mom for all the mercury that she gave me. <laughs> um, and for those of you listening or, and maybe thinking like heavy metals, like why in the world would I ever be exposed to those or why would I even have those in my system? But as an example, mercury is what's primarily in those silver fillings that uh, they were using more so in the past, but putting into our teeth for cavities. And then we also have mercury in fish. And uh, aluminum is in most of our antiperspirants that we're using on a day-to-day basis. So all of us have exposure, if you know it or not. Um, And it's definitely something that can really be passed to the baby and start them off with a weaker immune system. And this is actually important to understand because we actually did a podcast about just educating on when to vaccinate and, and when to not. Um, And it's more so just giving uh, women feedback. If you did have a lot of trouble getting pregnant, um, it could have been due to these infections and these toxins that we're talking about. But um, if your child is, you know, uh, pretty much an infant and dealing with these skin manifestations, they're dealing with food allergies, they're dealing with some level of digestive discomfort, um, or they're they're dealing with uh, colic, or you're dealing with colic, I should say, (laughs) Um, you might need to consider that this baby has some infections kind of right off the bat and that the vaccination might be really, really stressful on their immune system considering the immune system is already stressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really important to understand that a lot of times there are really simple natural fixes to these things. You know, if there is some type of imbalance within their GI system, you know, especially as a baby, you might be able to use a probiotic or something really simple to kind of repair and restore that digestive balance. Um, the trouble is, I think, later on in life that it could kind of be get a, excuse me, get a little more progressive that maybe they're now really experiencing more major food sensitivities or now they're having more serious skin irritations or psoriasis developing um, and different things like that or even autoimmune conditions, which now we're starting to see in young children as well. Yeah, and I think it's really important to understand that the gastrointestinal system is one of your major avenues of detoxification. So if you're a person that says, you know, I've had constipation most of my life, then that really means that your body is not able to detox and it's not able to get rid of the things that we get exposed to on a day to day. And, you know, unfortunately, it's just it's just the way that it is with the types of foods that we're eating that unfortunately not only contain chemicals if they're prepackaged because they're all different types of preservatives, but we're also dealing with pesticides and herbicides even on our fresh food, um, you know, our produce. And then on top of that, there's all different types of chemicals that are in the air and in the water. And that's really just due to some of the things that we use to clean our water to protect us from some bad bacteria and, you know, there's a lot of different chemical companies, plastic companies that are pumping a lot of different things into the air. So the moral of the story is, is we're all getting exposed to stuff. It's really just a matter of helping our bodies to make sure that all avenues of detoxification are working. So if constipation is in the mix, you or your child are not eliminating properly and you're not detoxifying, which is what's going to lead to some of the things that Brooke mentioned. Mm-hmm. So kind of going through the lifespan, right? We've talked a little bit about infancy and and babies just being born. Let's talk about kind of the daycare age because I think that a lot of children start to develop 
new or maybe different types of symptoms around that time and maybe constipation starts to play a role then. Um, and this will kind of range, I guess, depending on the age your child goes into daycare, but um, daycare is definitely a place where children are being exposed to a lot of different bacteria or, or things there. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what might be kind of uh, in the mix there. Yeah, definitely. Well, what's interesting is for a period of time when we were doing testing on a lot of our patients and especially our younger patients, uh, you know, being either toddlers or even up to uh, age 10, and we were finding parasites consistently in, in these children. And obviously we're, we're taking a history and finding out if mom maybe has digestive complaints and maybe it came from there. But um, commonly we were finding something called Jardia. And if you actually look up Jardia, it's known as like traveler's diarrhea. So it doesn't make a lot of sense as to why a child would have it. But what they're finding is that in places where there is diaper changing, so daycares as a prime example, they're finding that uh, the transmission of these different types of parasites or even bacterial infections is, is happening. And it's happening because proper sanitation is not happening um, by the person changing the diaper. But unfortunately, some of these parasites, bacteria are also uh, resistant to some of these cleaning agents that we're using. And it's really just because the use of antibiotics has gotten so prevalent and um, a lot of, we've created almost super bugs because of that. So sometimes the hand washes and Lysol wipes that we're using are just not even working as well as we hope for. So if you do have a child who had a very normal digestive tract and, you know, they had no problems with colic and they did great with either their breastfeeding or their bottle feeding, and then all of a sudden they're around that, you know, that age that they're starting to spend more times in daycares and you're starting to notice that they're talking about belly aches or they're talking about, you know, that they're, they're not going to the bathroom, they're going to the bathroom too much, that is kind of a key sign that they might have contracted something from a daycare. And something that lights up in my mind is the stomach bug. Yes. Right? Like, how often do you hear a woman talk about, ah, oh, the stomach bug went around my house, or, you know, my child came home from school with the stomach bug, and we think, up oh, one day you get a little bit of digestive upset, maybe you're vomiting, maybe there's nausea, maybe there's downward symptoms, um, and we kind of write it off as, up oh, normal, okay, and move on. But for a lot of people... Those, that becomes a trigger for symptoms later on in life. Um, for example, I have a client who has ulcerative colitis, um, and she mentions that her symptoms began within a few months of having a, a quote-unquote stomach bug. Um, so whether that you know was the first area of transmission, maybe she was exposed to something earlier on, or if that really presented some type of parasite or specific bacteria that started to trigger the symptoms. Yeah. Well, I think it's really key that you say that because... When people equate like food poisoning, which mm -hmm. is like the transmission of some type of organism, and they equate that to obviously I went out to dinner, I got sick immediately. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when we are um, getting exposed to these different types of bugs, again, if they're bacterial or if they're parasitic, it's not always, uh, it doesn't always move along in that pattern right, right. that you go out to eat and you eat something wrong and you're sick immediately. So mm -hmm. we, we automatically think or we're told that it's viral or a stomach mm -hmm. bug. And the thing is, is with parasite transmission nowadays, unfortunately, it's too easy. We can get mm -hmm. exposed to, with uh, water that we're drinking, um, we can get exposed by 
going to a friend's house. We can get exposed to by sharing a drink with someone. So there's a lot more levels of exposure than people may realize. Um, so it's not, it, it can definitely get very confusing um, and just, you know, be pawned off as a stomach bug or a virus. Mm-hmm. So what would you recommend for someone who maybe their child experienced something like this while being in daycare in terms of uh, testing and all that? Yeah, so with testing, uh, one of the best tests to do is something, um, or or a stool sample. So the stool sample is going to give some information about different types of bacterial overgrowths, um, any type of yeast or molds, um, and then it also can give uh, information on parasites as well. There are certain companies that are more effective at diagnosing parasites than others, so that's kind of helpful when you're working with the right physician because they're going to guide you along the right way. Uh, but one of the other things that we always do to piggyback off of the stool sample is uh, we do something called autonomic response testing. And what that does is it goes through all the different avenues of the gastrointestinal system, and we're able to actually target exactly where the uh, infection is. Because it's very unlikely that the infection is spread between the actual stomach, the small intestine, and the large intestine. So if you know specifically where the infection is most abundant, you can be really, really specific on your treatment. And we'll do a combination of different types of supplements that would be either antiparasitic or they would be antibacterial, etc. Um, we also do laser therapy to target infections as well. Um, and then we also do, um, we create actually very specific laser-charged concoctions um, that will uh, target these infections as well. So we actually usually program frequencies into different types of water solutions. And uh, they're very, very effective at cleaning these things out. They could be uh, either, you could drink them or you can actually do them in an enema form as well. Mm-hmm. I always tell people too that parasites in stool testing, it's, it's difficult to really culture them in stool because they don't really want to leave. They're really nice and warm and well-fed in there. Mm-hmm. So they don't typically leave. But um, one thing, it's kind of a silly uh, side effect or symptom of parasites, but around the full moon, they do become more active. So a lot of times, you know, you might even notice that your child acts a little, maybe, maybe acts out more around the full moon and you say, oh, he's just being crazy Mm -hmm. around the full moon. Um, But if you notice maybe changes in their mood or changes in their behavior patterns. Or their stomach gets worse. Or their stomach gets worse around that time, that could give you a little bit more insight as well. Definitely. Parasites, and I'm glad that you brought up the symptoms because some people might be wondering, like, what does this actually look like in my child? Um, But I would say... Shifting into loose bowel movements, even if it's very occasional, um, like say they eat the wrong thing or you eat out, that is a very common symptom as well as the behavioral changes, especially around the full moon. Um, And then finding more irritability, um, especially around those times of the full moon. So those are some key symptoms to really keep in mind. So let's kind of shift now into children getting a little bit older and talking about more of this growing pain type of symptom. Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of people that we work with that they report that they went through some, you know, pretty significant growing pains when they were young and they were recommended some type of therapy. Uh, Some people have been recommended like high doses of aspirin. Um, You know, the the symptom or the uh, treatment definitely varies. But with that being said, um, when I start to hear that feedback from someone and I ask them specifically, like, what was the location of the body that they felt it the most, a lot of times they're reporting the knees and the hips. 
So that's pretty much a telltale symptom of a bacterial infection called Borrelia, which is what we technically call Lyme's disease. So when somebody is dealing with that level of, of growing pains that, you know, it really impeded their function and, you know, it, it was significant uh, enough for them to remember it or seek out treatment, you know, there's always that suspicion that Lyme could be in the system and completely missed. And this is what's very interesting about Lyme is it's usually not going to be the first thought of your physician. It's not necessarily going to be, okay, yes, we 100% need to check for Lyme. But even trickier beyond that, if you do have a physician that's, you know, let's rule this in or rule this out, the typical blood test that is offered is not always going to pick up on the Lyme. And it's primarily because the specific bacteria that we're talking about is burrowed in the joints. It's burrowed in the connective tissue of the joints. So connective tissue is really just the tissue that connects your joints. So if it's burrowed in those areas, it's not in the blood. And it's very unlikely that the blood test is gonna show positive. And this also gets very confusing for people and it could be missed. So this is definitely something really important to consider because if your child is dealing with significant levels of joint pain, and then also they start playing sports or just being active in general, and they're all of a sudden getting injured a lot, and they're tearing and straining and spraining, and it's just this never-ending thing that keeps happening, you have to understand that Lyme may be playing a role in their system, and it's also because if the bacteria is in the connective tissue, it also weakens it, so it sets them up to be injured a lot easier. And it also, it really impedes their recovery as well. Mm -hmm. So if they sprain their ankle and it's two, three months later and they're like, oh, my ankle, it still hurts. It still bothers me. It's still not stable. Then this could be a telltale that this potentially could be something more than just a growing pain or a sports injury. And really doing the proper testing and acknowledging the symptoms is, is really important. Yeah, and it's so interesting, too, because I feel like as you're talking about all these symptoms, I, like, think back in my head, like, oh, I had a friend that got injured in lacrosse all the time, or, you know, I'm thinking back to all these different things, but when you when you really think about the importance, you know, as a child or a teenager or however old your children are, we almost think, like, ah, oh, well, you know, they're growing, they can handle it, you know, it's no big deal, we almost kind of, like, write it off, like, no biggie. The bigger issue is that 5, 10, 15, 20 or more years from now, they might now be set up for maybe worsening of symptoms if they have something like chronic Lyme or um, worsening of their digestive symptoms and maybe uh, the development of autoimmune conditions or different other types of uh, diagnoses. Well, I think it becomes a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. So if you have this teenager that all of a sudden is, you know, really struggling from a social or, or an emotional standpoint, they're dealing with anxiety, um, they're finding themselves getting angry, irritable, they're really tired, um, they have lack of motivation, you know, they're still having low-level achiness and joint pain, um, they're maybe even having headaches, you know, these are some things that you need to consider that, you know, it might not be like, okay, well, yeah, they're just, they're going through some stuff, they're going through puberty, hormones, school, yeah, hormones, um, it might be they literally have an infection in their body that is not supposed to be there and they 
can't, they don't feel well and they don't know how to translate that into mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because there's just a lot of, you know, social pressures and other things going on around them. So it's definitely something that we see quite often. And it's usually later in life when people are coming in with, you know, maybe that autoimmune condition or the migraines are so bad or the fatigue is so bad um, and the joints just hurt and they're not getting better no matter what they do. That's usually when they're finally getting diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something to to be aware of and to make sure that you're covering your bases because you, you know, with the, especially the weakening of the um, soft tissue structures, you don't want to necessarily have, you know, a kid who is not functioning optimally, but also dealing with injuries that could, uh, could be prevented based off of, you know, removing this infection from their system. Mm-hmm. Well, and Lyme is something that's really interesting too, because, um, you know, a lot of children are playing outside. So, you know, if there is transmission via ticks, you know, children might see something, pull it off, and maybe not even communicate that to mom or dad. Um, so let's talk about maybe how they might get exposed to something like this. Yeah, so Lyme, you know, the more and more research they're doing, they're realizing that it's really not just about tick exposure as well. Um, don't get me wrong, there are some kids that are playing outside and they've had ticks on them in the past. But um, they're finding that mosquitoes can be a culprit in the transmission. And it is really because mosquitoes land on all different types of animals and uh, they, you know, they transfer blood. So they are huge carriers for a variety of different things, uh, viruses included. So that's partly, that's not really to scare you and have you just stay indoors. Um, you know, the biggest thing is, is if your immune system is strong, you don't have to worry about the transmission. It's just, you know, taking the proper precautions. But at the same time, uh, one of the biggest culprits for the transmission of Lyme is from mom. Uh, it is passed through the placenta. So it is passed to the baby if mom does have Lyme in her system. And, you know, what I tell people is most of the time you will have zero symptoms. And what happens is it gets to a certain point that something happens that burdens your immune system. So maybe, especially when you're talking about kids, maybe um, your kid has a lot of cavities and then they go in and they get their silver fillings put in their teeth, which is mercury related. So if they now have this huge burden on their immune system because they just got hit with a high dose of mercury, then all of a sudden they might start manifesting different symptoms. And again, it could be the achiness, it could be the joint pain, it could be the the sports injuries. And it's because now the Lyme was able to come to the surface and start wreaking more havoc than it normally would. Uh, Another thing could be the vaccines. And primarily, it's not necessarily the vaccines, it's more so the additives of the aluminum mercury in the vaccines. So um, if they do get a high dose um, or get many vaccines close together, that also can be a culprit for burdening the immune system. And I would say the other big one is uh, mold. And if the you're bringing home your your child to a moldy home, if you know it or you don't, um, or you end up moving and it ends up having some level of mold in your new home, that is a big culprit that really, really affects the immune system in a negative way and it allows different symptoms to start coming to the surface. And don't get me wrong, mold has its own symptoms in itself, but some of the symptoms can be related to different infections coming to the surface because the immune system is compromised. Well, and also mold in schools. 
mold in schools as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're resonating with any of this or you're thinking that, you know, you have a child that may be experiencing some of these symptoms, we would be more than happy to jump on a free 15-minute call with you and just discuss, you know, your situation, what's going on, and how we could possibly be able to help and what types of testing and and support might be right for you. So you can head over to integrativewellnessgroup.com to schedule that, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.